Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, The Promise. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Today, of course, is a day of celebration. It is a feast in which we commemorate the manifestation of the uh, giving of the Spirit, the Spirit of eternal life that God poured out upon the first disciples, upon the first believers. Now, today is known somewhat by uh, the name of Pentecost, an unusual name. It means count 50 in the New Testament because it comes on the 50th day after the uh, first uh, Sabbath after the Passover. Otherwise, it is known as the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of uh, Harvest, and the Day of First Fruits. Now, the disciples had been told by Christ to tarry in Jerusalem, to wait there in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. In Luke chapter 24, and verse 49, Luke 24 and verse 49, he said, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. They're to be clothed. That's what the word means, endued, to be clothed in the sense of just sinking into a garment with the power from on high. So the disciples must have wondered, if we were living at that time also, must have wondered what kind of power should we expect? What's coming? What is this that we're going to be clothed with? So those days of counting, those days of marking off each day as they neared that time, and waiting must have been filled with anticipation. Behold, said Christ, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. What was that promise? Well, we know that it was the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit, the pouring out of His character, the pouring out of His righteousness and His blessings of eternal life. Those are the things that He wants to clothe His people with, His Holy Spirit. In the book of Joel, we see that it foretold of this time. We read in Joel chapter 2, and in verse 28, let's start with verse 27, And you shall know that I am the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. In verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Verse 29, And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. You know, we get the idea of something being poured out as like being drenched. Uh, the other word, imbued. 
just, you know, soaked. Like anyone who's ever been caught in a rainstorm knows what it's like to be moistened or to be drenched with the rain that is falling. And so this is like what it was supposed to be on the, that day of Pentecost. But we see here in Joel chapter 2 that he was prophesying to God's people about a time coming in which their adverse conditions would uh, see a safe and a prosperous turnaround. Their enemies would be defeated. The pastures would grow green. There would be rain in due season. Their floors would be filled with, with wheat and no more crop failure due to infestations and, and so on. And they would know that God was in their midst and that they had much to be thankful for. The people then, they knew about the Feast of Weeks and the first fruits and the harvest that they all had to do with agricultural activities. But then we come to what is called the Day of Pentecost, that time that Joel was uh, foretelling. In Acts chapter 2, let's go there. Probably Lawrence will go over this also. In verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So there was unity in expectation of being there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. And we know that the tongues here means languages that the people spoke that was uh, known to those who were there listening. And there dwelling at Jerusalem, <coughs> Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So the word spread through the city. You know, come listen to these men there that are they're talking. They all speak in our language. And they were all amazed. And they marveled, saying one to, to another, Behold, are not all these Galileans? And how hear we every man in our tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, all of these nations that were there, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. And in verse 11, what were they hearing? They said, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what does this mean? What meaneth this? Others mocking said, well, these men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, which, you know, which we read earlier. So the promise of the Father was being fulfilled. And the promise of the comforter that Christ said would come was being fulfilled. Now this promise is being fulfilled and is still ongoing. It did not really end on Pentecost. In verse 37 of chapter 2 there, 
Now, when they heard this, how that Christ was wrongfully killed, yet as a son of God, he is willing to forgive. They were pricked in their heart. So this, there was this sudden realization among them that they had made a big mistake, that they were guilty of Christ's terrible ordeal and his crucifixion, that he was truly the son of God, and they didn't believe him. Now their whole being was suddenly deflated, and they stood in fear. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the brethren, the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see a promise that there is a remission of sins and that there is a promise that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit upon repentance and baptism. Verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to all and to your children and to all and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This promise of God is, as we see, to all. To all nations, as many as the eternal shall call, from generation to generation. So the eternal has promised to pour out his spirit on those who are called. And the pouring out of this spirit did not end on the day of Pentecost. As Joel 2 said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on both man and woman, on both young and old. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also the servants upon the, uh, and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. So all classes of people, as, as many as eternal our God shall call. And that is a standing promise. So the spirit of God is life-giving. Because sins are forgiven. It is a seal of sonship, the spirit of adoption, and the seal that God has placed upon believers of his promise of mercy and his love for them. So God's spirit of forgiveness is one of love and concern. Ever since he uh, created man and put him on this planet, he has desired to have fellowship with every son and daughter. And he does this and can do this through the power of of the Holy Spirit. In the book of John, chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus said to his disciples, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, it shall testify of me. So this is how we know that the Spirit of God is working in us, because it brings to mind the, the life and the character of Christ. It's like those bracelets people wear or used to wear where it says WWJD. What would Jesus do? It's a reminder for some to consider doing the right thing. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Howbeit when it, the Spirit of truth, is come, it will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, that is, on its own, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So when we encounter situations in this life, when things come to mind that calls for us to make the right choice, to go the right way, the Spirit will give insight and will cause us to, con to consider 
the possible outcomes of what we choose to do. Verse 14, It shall glorify me, for it shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. So, by walking in the Spirit, we do what Jesus would do, and he is glorified in it by those actions. But we see that this promise of the Holy Spirit was really not yet given while Jesus was on the earth. In the book of John, chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that is the, uh, the spirit in every believer. Rivers of living water. It's not a dead, inactive spirit, but living water. But we know that, like some waters, when it's all bottled up, can become stagnant. And it could dry up. And there are times when the spirit has to be stirred up to rekindle the first love, or it could dry up. Verse 39, But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So what does it mean the Holy Spirit was not yet given? Did, didn't the Spirit come upon uh, uh, the many, the prophets of old, in Old Testament times? Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. The words of... Uh, John the Baptist, he said in verse 11, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John's baptism was unto repentance. Those converts showed their repentance. They were joyful in their newfound faith. Yet they had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, where we see the preaching of Philip. In verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. And the people, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lamed were healed. So that was uh, some very convincing miracles that led them to belief in Jesus Christ and his message of repentance. In verse 8, and there was a great joy in, the city, in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because, of, because that of long ago he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done 
And now when the apostles were, which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, for as yet it was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So their conversion and their water baptism through Philip was not questioned. And Philip's ministry was recognized, but Philip just didn't seem to have the ministry of laying on of hands for the reception of the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands, <clears throat> and we know that as one of the doctrines that we see in Hebrews, one of the doctrines of Christ, the laying on of hands was to receive power from on high, to be able to witness, to lead others into the truth, and to grow and to overcome and be sealed with sonship in the family of God, with the reception of the Holy Spirit. There must, of course, be a willingness in a person to want the gift of the Holy Spirit, but not for selfish reasons. And a person, we know, must count the cost. Scripture says that whosoever believes in Christ shall have everlasting life, and that is a promise. So, as long as that belief is held and not let go even if they have not the laying on of hands but are baptized in honor of Jesus the Savior that opportunity and calling of God will come either in this age or in the age to come at conversion and baptism a measure of God's Holy Spirit is given according to the faith to their faith verse 17 then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said unto him, Your money perish with you, because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So as we come to this point, today on the day of Pentecost we have been uh, what has been revealed to us is a gospel a gospel of the coming kingdom of God and the things that we need to do to prepare ourselves as a bride for Jesus Christ the Apostle Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that is in you by the laying on of hands and so by this we see that the Spirit of God is imparted by the laying on of hands this is why when those who are baptized unto repentance also receive the laying on of hands. Yet even then it is in measure. One might be used mightily and yet be lacking in areas of truth to uh, which he must be led later on. In Acts 18 we can see this. That none of us have perfect truth or, or perfect character or righteousness. In Acts 18, verse 24, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he 
uh, spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogues, whom when Aquila and Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. So, Apollos didn't know everything. He had to be shown a few things. But he mildly, in verse 28, convinced the Jews and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Acts 19. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. Now this miracle of tongues was a sign for unbelievers. It was to show them uh, the power of God on those whom he called to be witnesses testifying of Jesus Christ. And so they were given this gift of tongue and prophecy, inspired preaching and foretelling of things to come. When I was baptized a long time ago, I did not speak in tongues. My wife was baptized. I didn't see her speak in tongues. And I've seen some of you baptized, and I have not seen you speak in tongues. But we all received gifts and the special promise of the blessing of eternal life. And so, as we know, uh, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul laid out some of those uh, gifts in, in, in that book. And so, it is the promise of eternal life through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gives us reason to praise God and to celebrate on this feast day of Pentecost. And that promise is to all flesh, even as many as our Lord uh, God shall call. So the time is still to come when the manifestation of the Spirit will come powerfully on the people of God. And we saw a foretaste of that there in Acts chapter 2. In addition, if we read Joel again, Joel uh, chapter 2, it says in verse 30, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Then shall the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. So that power that is to come is to give the people of God the power to testify of Jesus Christ and to be witnesses unto the uttermost parts of the earth. After a time when the earth is going to be uh, reeling uh, and in terrible straits, that in verse 32, it shall come to pass 
that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall uh, be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So this is a promise that we celebrate today. Deliverance and power from on high.